thank you, Lord. Now, that confession is on the church website. Something I, I wrote that a couple years back, I think it was, three or four years ago maybe. You are the prophet of your own life. This is the year of the, of the open mouth. So you open your mouth and you decree these things over your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What about the natural? That's fine, do the natural, but you can't leave the spiritual out. Because <laughs> you'll just be naturally dead. Amen? All right, let's read Psalm number 8, please. And we're going to read verses 3 through 6 tonight. You have it? Okay, let's join together. Ready, read. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All things under his feet. Father, tonight we thank you for the word we're about to receive. Thank you. It is blessed. It is anointed. And we are anointed to receive. So speak from heaven, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Tonight I want to talk on this subject from verse 4. What is man? What is man? I didn't say what is a man. <laughs> what is man? Hallelujah. Now, if you remember when Apostle Derby was here uh, on that Sunday, he was here. He ministered a message, Divine Mess. And he talked again about Benjamin, who was the uh, youngest son of Jacob. And he talked about how that demonstrated that God's divine plan of those who are last becoming first. That's what happened to Benjamin. Benjamin, who was last, and he was picked on and overlooked and rejected by his brothers because of his uh, special relationship that he had with his father as well as uh, Joseph that he, uh, in the end, he ended up with five times more than his brothers. So I want you to imagine again, just I, I've been really chewing on that since then, uh, imagine five times every good thing you have in your life. Imagine every good thing in your life being increased by five times. Hallelujah. Yeah, glory is right. Now, we were sharing this this morning in the prayer time that for me, <clears throat> five times is more chewable, if you allow that word, than hundredfold. You know, there are a lot of Christians who don't believe in hundredfold. Yeah, Jesus himself taught on the hundredfold return. Right, in Mark 10, no one who's left father, mother, house, or children, land, brother, for my sakes and the gospels, we will not receive a hundredfold now in this time and, in, in the, and then eternal life you know, in the time to come. So Jesus preached a hundredfold. He preached a hundredfold about the, about the sower. Some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. Isaac in Genesis 26. He sold that land and the Bible says he reaped in the same year, what? A hundredfold. So a hundredfold is not some something that, that uh, you know, Kenneth Copeland made up. It's not something that, you know, Robert Tilton made up. It's, it's, a, it's from the Lord. It's from the Lord. It's, God, it's God's M.O. But the reality of it is that most of us cannot really fathom a hundredfold. We think we can, but one hundredfold is really a lot to chew on. And what has happened for me personally is that since uh, Apostle Durber mentioned the uh, prophesied, really pro prophetically declared the five times uh, return, it's become easier for my faith to grasp. I don't know about you easier for my faith to really grab a hold of um, that fivefold. As I shared with them this morning, I, I still believe in the hundredfold, but I can believe for the five times. There's a difference in believing in something and believing for something. All of us believe in something God has for us. We, we believe that God has everything. I mean, God can do anything. I, I think all Christians, I hope all Christians believe God can heal anything. 
But the difference in him believing that he can and actually believing in it. I'm going to believe for that. Because when you believe for that, all of a sudden it has to put you in motion. You begin to speak different words. You begin to have different actions. You begin to have different gifts or seeds. When you believe for something, it moves you into an action. You got it? So most of us, if truth be told, have not had any words, actions, or gifts towards a hundredfold. But when you hear five times, okay, this is, this is, this is chewable, this is digestible, this is, okay, this is more manageable here from my faith. You know, in Psalm 115, the Bible says, uh, may the Lord increase you more and more, you and your children. So God's intent is for us to always increase more and more, increase more and more, us and our children, okay? But we have to, we have to begin to, to get things to a place that our faith can grab a hold of it. Sometimes you can, you can uh, throw your faith farther than you actually can, can attain. You understand? You, 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 can, you can outspeak your faith. You understand? Uh, sometimes people speak um, lofty, very high things, but their faith doesn't match that. So God always wants to get us to, to a place where our faith can match something. In Romans uh, chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says, our righteousness is revealed, or the righteousness of God rather, is revealed from faith to faith. So when we have faith, we receive revelation. And the more revelation we, we receive, the more faith we get. And the more faith we get, the more revelation we get. Do you understand that? Well, y'all are quiet enough. The more revelation, the more your faith can grab. The more your faith grabs, the more revelation you get. You understand that? You keep growing and growing and growing. And God knows that, and he, that's how he created us. So he has to work to get us, Elder Baker, to a place where our, our, ex, our, our talk really can, can come to our faith. He has to bring, uh, sometimes, listen to this, he has to bring his declaration down to a level that I, and bring our revelation up to a level where they can meet. That you can really believe it. Okay, let's put a description on the screen for me, please. Uh, Mark eleven twenty three. This one you all know. Mark eleven twenty three. I want to try to help you get this. Mark eleven twenty three. Says for then give, go back to verse twenty two. Let's do twenty two through twenty four. Mark eleven twenty two through twenty four. This is a faith basics tonight. So Jesus answered and said to them, "Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith." We know that, right? For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. So he's giving us something very lofty. He said, and, and here it is, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, or I will throw in this word, actually believes that those things he says will come to pass will be done. He will have whatever he says. So he says, you can move this mountain. I'm telling you, you can move this mountain. Yes. And he meant a literal mountain. Yes. You can literally move this mountain if you believe and don't doubt in your heart. Yes. So he's telling us that it is possible. Yes. But you got to make sure your believer is up there enough to move that mountain. The very next verse, verse 24, he says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them. And sometimes, uh, Jasmine, we ask for things that we don't yet really believe. And then we get frustrated. Well, God, how come you didn't come through? It wasn't that God didn't come through because God cannot lie. It's you and I have to believe. The problem is never on God's end, ladies and gentlemen. The problem is always, the shortfall is always on our end. So if we can get our faith to a level uh, to, to match what we're talking about, then we'll constantly see manifestation. Got it? So what God has to work to do is oftentimes is 
here's how he's worked for me. And I'm sure this is how he's been, he has been or has been trying to work for you if you'll let him. And don't out-talk God. You hear what I said? Don't out-talk God. Sometimes, <laughs> see, because I've heard, I've heard people all around the church talking talk millionaire status. And really don't have enough faith to get $10,000. Y'all got quiet on me. Really don't have enough faith, don't have enough words, don't have enough actions, don't have enough seed to manifest 10000 Now, I'm, I'm not talking about money. You understand? I'm just trying to get you. you. You can quantify that. That's just something you can wrap your hand up. You understand? So, so he has to limit the, the declaration. So then he'll raise my revelation to meet the declaration. In other words, God had already told the children of Israel, remember he told them, I'm giving you this, this good land, this whole land flowing with milk and honey. But then when it got time for them to go in, uh, Deuteronomy says, I'm going to give you this land little by little. I'm going to give you a manageable section of it first, lest it swallows you up, lest the land overwhelm you. God knows how much you can really handle. Am I right about this deep? There are people talking about, I'm believing God for a Bentley, but won't put tires on your Pinto. You got You understand? You understand what I'm saying? You, you, can't, you can't do that. You have to, you have to work, and God will, God will work with you where you are. I mean, he's excited about helping us build our faith up. You got it? All right, now, so in John chapter 16, in John 16, why don't you go over there at verse 12. In fact, I'm going to ask, let's, for sake of time, let's go right to the Passion Translation, John 16, verse 12 through 15. Because I don't know about you, but most of us, I know me, I'm already stretched by what God has already said to me. Any of y'all already been stretched by God? Come on, put your hand up. You've already been, I mean, what God has already said to you has already stretched you. At home, has God stretched you? And the reality of it is, he didn't tell you much. Oh, y'all not hear me. What he has told us has stretched us, Sister Lucy. But what he told us was a little. Because he knows if he told us everything, it would do like the gospel artists like to say, blow your mind. And God is not trying to blow your mind. God knows you need your mind. So God is never out to blow your mind. He, he said, I'll, I'll keep you in perfect peace if your mind has stayed on me. So we need our minds right. So God's never going to sell us so much until it blows our minds. But yet what he has told us is stretching us. I mean, some things God has told you to do, some things he's told you to believe him for, some things he's told you that places he wants you to go and some ministry he has for you and some opportunity he has for you, something, I mean, isn't it already stretching you? you mean? But it's, it's nothing compared to what he really has to say. All right, so let's look in John 16, verse 12. Through 15, the passage translation, listen to this, what it says. You can read along with it. It says, there is so much more. This is Jesus talking. He says, there is so much more I would like to say to you, my disciples. But it's more than you can grasp at the moment. Did you catch that? He says, there's a lot more I want to say to you, Chris. Now, what he's already told them. They've said in John 6, it's hard. I mean, everything he's already told him has already been a stretch. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's already been a stretch. Come on, has God stretched you? Come on, I want to know I'm talking to in here. Everything he's already pushed us into is already stretched us, and yet he says, there are more things I want to say to you, but you cannot grasp them. You cannot grasp 
You can hear it, but, and you might even rejoice over it, but you can't grasp it. And God never wants us to hear things just to be, oh, that sounds good, without ever grasping it. He wants us to grasp it so that we can obtain it, so that he can use it to bless us and the world. You got it? So there's so much more I'd like to say to you, but it's more than you can grasp at this moment. Verse 13, please. But when the truth-giving spirit, that's the Holy Ghost, comes, he will, watch this, unveil the reality of every truth within you. Now, the passion really expands on that. Because he said unveil the reality of every truth, not just unveil the truth to you. When the spirit of truth comes, he's going to re reveal or unveil the reality of every truth. So in every truth, there's some, something that needs to be unveiled. So you and I can read this word and it's truth, it's all truth by itself, but there's something behind it. There's something, there's something deeper, there's something attached to it. So when the Holy Ghost comes, the spirit of truth, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. Within you. Isn't that good? He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father. And, come, keep going, he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. How many of y'all have had the Holy Ghost reveal to you prophetically what is to come? He's shown you some things that are far beyond your reach right now. They're stretching you already, but the Holy Ghost has said some things that you're like, how in the world? But remember, another name for the Holy Ghost is also our helper. Oh, my goodness. So he's not just going to show you or tell you something. He's going to help you get there. He's going to help you grasp it first. Then he's going to help you grab it. Okay? He will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. Let's keep going, please. Verse 14. He will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. He's going to receive from me what is mine. He's going to receive what is mine and then reveal it to you. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. Now, I already been stretched, Jasmine. But he says everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. And he said everything that the Father, that belongs to the Father belongs to me. So when the whole, by the time the Holy Ghost is done, Chris, revealing things to us, I would almost say it'll blow your mind, but that, it won't, not going to blow your mind. Because he's not going to reveal it to you until you can handle it. So that's why we go from faith to faith. Glory to glory. Strength to strength. He knows how much you can handle. You got it? So he has to limit the declaration and then raise our revelation to a place of agreement. You see, this is what that five times has done for me. It's more, it's more chewable. It's more attainable. It's more, okay, all right, all right. I can, I can see that. Well, that's not faith if you can see it. No, no, no. What, what five times more than anything we have right now, you already know it's going to take faith because you even though you can see it by faith, you can't see the natural how to get there. You can't see how to make it happen. So imagine, imagine ministry five times larger than it is now. Just imagine five villages. Imagine five homes where you're taking care of people. You understand what I'm saying to you? Imagine we're, we're, we're meeting the needs on five continents. See, this is already kind of, oh, wait a minute. See, but he only, he'll go nice and slow, little by little, help us get there. You got it? Now, so notice what again he said here. The, the divine encourager will receive what is mine 
and reveal it to you. Now, let's go back to where we were the last week or so in 1 Corinthians 2 because we're going to see um, more support for that thought there. 1 Corinthians 2, we're back in the New King James, if you don't mind. 1 Corinthians 2, and we'll look at verse 9 through 12. And let's see Paul, by the Holy Ghost, really just verify what Jesus Christ said. Not, not that Jesus Christ needed verification, amen, but where in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. So Jesus just told us the Holy Ghost is going to show us some things. So watch this in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. It says, but I, I'm sorry, but as it is written, I has not seen, come on, nor ear heard, what else? The what? Which God has prepared for who? Those who love him. Anybody here love him? So there are things that are prepared for you. You got it? He says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Now remember what Jesus just told us back in John. So he says they've been revealed to us through his spirit. The spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. But the Spirit who is from God, same Spirit Jesus Christ was talking about, that we might know the things that have been what? Freely given to us by God. God. Now let's quickly switch over to the Passion Translation, please, these same verses, because I want you to see how the Passion reads this, verses 9 through 12. This is why the scriptures say, things never dis discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. Oh, Jesus. These are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. Beyond your imagination. That's why as you go along, as you spend time, as you press in with the Holy Ghost, he reveals things to you. And at first it might stretch you, but then, but then you, you grow into it. You got it? You grow into it. You grow into it. Okay, all right, no, that, that stretched me, but you increased my faith, and here I am. Okay, I can, I can, I can do that. I can believe you to do this. I can believe you to function this way. I can believe you, can, yeah. you to run this. I, I can believe you to lay hands on the sick and, and they recover. Hallelujah. Right? Let, let, just for example, when you first get born again, most times you don't believe God that you can go out and lay hands on the sick. Most times it takes you a little while to learn that you can get healed yourself. I'm still trying to convince Christians that they can be healed themselves. Come on, somebody. Right here in this church, still trying to convince Christians that they can be healed themselves. <laughs> that healing is the children's bread, that healing belongs to us. Glory to God, it's ours. We are the healed, protecting our health from sickness and disease. You got it? Well, once you grow into that, if God can get you to believe that, now he's going to stretch you even more. To get you to believe not only can you be healed, but that God will use you to heal other people. Come on, am I right about it? Okay, I'm trying to convince people in this church still that my God will supply all your needs. That you don't have to hustle and, and, and do all that stuff in the world. I'm not talking about not working. You can work. I'm talking about you don't have to, you don't have to get into the world's hustle and bustle trying to make things happen outside of the grace of God, that God will supply your needs. Well, once, once you start getting there, you learn, okay, God will supply my needs. Now he'll say, well, let's stretch you a little bit, and let's see if I can get you to, to, to believe me for me giving you the desires of your heart. That's another level right there. 
I was I was just just trying to get my rent paid and my lights paid and get food in my on my in my you know my refrigerator and everything. Now they say, okay, now I want to get you to a place where where you know you can you can have the desires of your heart. You can you can go out to eat if you want to, or you know you can you can buy buy some shoes or whatever. That's just desires of your heart. You can you can get your hair done or you can get your nails. What I'm saying, he he'll do that. But then when you grow up into that, now he said, okay, now you ready to go? He'll say, now I want you to believe me to be a blessing to somebody. That not only are your needs met, not only do you have the desires of your heart, but you are now looking to bless and take care of other people. Oh, see, we have to grow up in this. We got to grow up in this. So the things that God has prepared for us, the things that he has in store, are, it's beyond our imagination right now. Now some of y'all sitting there trying to imagine. You might as well stop. The Holy Ghost has to reveal it to you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, I'll say that. Because sometimes if you operate by your own imagination, you will use your faith going after something God didn't intend for you. Now that's big right there. That's big right there. That wasn't in my notes. I didn't know I was going to say that. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You use your imagination all day long and you'll sometimes lock into going after something that God didn't speak for you. God didn't have for you. There are things that are prepared. That word prepared means cut ahead of time. Prepare. That means before cut. It's like having a tailored suit. It's cut for you. It's just for you. So God has husbands and wives pre-cut. But if you use your imagination, y'all just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. You, you, you use your imagination and you'll conjure up an image in your head. Before you know it, lock your, you'll be locking your faith in on something that God didn't pre-cut for you. God knows the kind of house that you're going to need for your assignment. He knows the kind of house you're going to enjoy and the kind of house you're going to need. He knows the job that you're going to like and the job that's going to be a blessing to you. He knows all that. He knows the ministry that's for you. Sometimes you can get caught up trying to do what other people are doing. Everybody can't do that. Somebody has to do this. Everybody can't do this. Somebody has to do that over there. So we can all get the work done together. But if you're looking at, oh, well, look at them. They doing, they're doing that. And oh, man, they got all kind of attention and all kind of stuff. And you get on that, and that wasn't pre-cut for you. Glory to God. So there are things he has in store for all his lovers. Keep going, verse 10, 11, 12, please. It says, but God now unveils these things, these, I'm sorry, these profound realities to us by the Spirit. This is backing up what Jesus said. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit. Who, keep going, constantly explores, constantly explores all things. So the Holy Ghost is constantly checking things out. Remember God told the children of Israel in Ezekiel, he said, I searched the whole world, the whole earth, and found the best land for you. God said, I personally scouted out the whole planet. I personally went ahead of you and scouted out the whole planet for you. Then he tells them in Exodus 23, he says, I'm gonna, when you're going there, I'm going to send my angel ahead of you. My angel's going to go before you, and he's going to lead you. In other words, the angel of God's going to scout out everything. He's going to explore. He's going to find out, no, let's, no, we're not going to go that direction. We're going to go this direction over here. Are you hearing this here? God, the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, constantly explores all things. Keep going. Verse 11, please. Verse 11. 
Hallelujah. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? Nobody knows what you're really thinking right now. I hope all of y'all are paying attention, but some of y'all are probably thinking about what you have for dinner or what you're going to have for dinner and what you're going to do tomorrow. And you're balancing your checkbook in your head and all that kind of stuff like that. Right? So it is with God. It's like nobody knows what you're really thinking. Nobody knows what's really inside your mind. No one knows what's really inside the mind of God. His thoughts and his secrets, keep going, are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. So the Holy, I want to just throw this in. Do you understand then why it's so important to pray in tongues? To pray in the spirit? Because the Bible says in, in Romans 8, I think it's 26, we don't, we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Holy Ghost helps with our infirmities. He helps with our weaknesses. The weakness is we don't know what to pray for. So when you pray in tongues, you are praying the perfect will of God. You're praying by the one who searches the very heart of God himself and knows the things of God. Isn't it interesting how the devil has fought the church on that? And he has the majority of the church, the body of Christ, who refuse to pray in tongues, refuse to speak in tongues, thinks it's passed away, thinks it's of the devil. What is he doing? He's keeping them in the dark. So then what they do, Elder Baker, is they're, they're relegated to operating by the flesh. Everything's by the natural. The Bible said, Jesus said in John 6, 63, I think it is, the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit who gives life. So when you're operating by the flesh, it's, it, it might make a little move for a little while, but it's going to fall. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. If you ever encounter something that somebody's coming against you, you feel like something is rising up against you, or somebody's just doing something and you just got, you have questions about it, you don't have to fight it. If it's of God, what they're doing, you can't stop it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. But if it's not of God, there's nothing that they can do to keep it going. So I don't worry about people uprising in the church and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't, I'm past that. If it's of God, I can't stop it. If it's not of God, they can't keep it going. See, if it's, if it's of God, he's going to give direction. So that's why it's so important for you and me to spend the time praying in the Holy Ghost. When you don't know what to do, pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. What an awesome gift we have. What awesome access we have, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah. To make use of that. Thank you, Lord. All right, now look at verse 12. This is the final verse of that, of that section here, verse 12. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system. Thank you, Lord. So there's a spirit of this world system. That's what the Bible says in Romans 12, too. Don't be conformed to this world, to this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we do not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God. Now watch this. This is exciting, Princeton. So that we might come to understand and experience... All that grace, God's ability gift, has lavished upon us. So I don't have this spirit of this world system. This spirit of this world, spirit of this world system is a foolishness. And it's all coming to nothing. But I have the spirit which is from God so I can come to understand. Come to understand. Come to understand. I got to grow in grace. I got to grow in knowledge. I got to grow in understanding. I will come to understand and experience all that, that grace has lavished upon us. Wow. 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 Everybody say, I'm growing. Say, I'm learning. I'm discovering. All God has for me and all he wants to do through me. 
I'm really glad he didn't tell me everything. I'm really glad he didn't tell me everything. It probably would have blown my mind. I'm just telling you. It would have definitely knocked you down. You would have been, it would have fried your brain. And I can't afford to have a fried brain. Glory to God. Tell your neighbor, you haven't seen anything yet. See, what I'm, I'm trying to get you to do, when I was preaching on something big is coming, as a pastor, I could do this, and I, I, I had the sense that, okay, you're not catching what I'm saying. You're not grasping what I'm saying. You're, when I'm saying big, some of y'all thinking, well, I'm going to get a, you know, $5 raise. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about things that you cannot imagine. And they're not just things. See, here's the reality. Chris, if we're just thinking about things, you're going to miss it. I'm talking about things. That are going to, here's the word, you're going to have large money, large territory, large work, and major responsibility. You got to understand, God has some assignments for your life that are beyond your current capacity to comprehend. So what he's given me to do tonight and Sunday or however long it takes is to help increase your capacity. So you can really grasp what he's talking about. So you're not looking at me like a deer in headlights like what is Pastor? I'm just going to finish Pastor. That's, that's right on. Okay, they get it. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, time is winding up. Ladies and gentlemen, time is winding up. And you and I have the divine assignment to bring in this end time harvest before Jesus comes. And it's going to take some willing workers who are going to put their hands to the plow and not look back. Who are going to be so devoted to God and so, so um, uh, entrenched in God's system, not that world system. That you become a conduit for the anointing and a conduit for God's prosperity. That he can get things to you and he can get things through you that's going to minister to people all over this world. Tell your neighbor, God's working on you. Tell him, let him work. Remember we looked at Philippians 2.13 a couple weeks ago. We just stumbled on it. It's God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's working in you to get you to have the will. The will, the capacity, the desire to be a worker together with him. Put Ephesians 3.20 up in the passion, please. Ephesians three twenty up in the in the passion. I'm just I, I probably just get through my introduction tonight. Just trying to introduce you to get you started, so you're ready for where God needs to take us. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I'll try to say it the way I just heard it. Something big is coming, but you and I have to get big first. I think I said it the best way I heard it. Something big is coming, but we have to get big first. Because he can't send big to little. 
He can't do big with little. In other words, if you still have a little, a little faith, a, a little mind, a little, a little, a little perseverance, a little mindset, then he, he can't do all he needs to do through you. Oh, Jesus. I mean, where you are now, God's done a lot of things to you already. Am I right about it? Hope, I hope. Has God already done some things through your life already? I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about for you. I'm talking about through you. Through you. Well, guess what? He's ready to take you up a notch. See, see whatever ministry you have done five times bigger than it is now. Can you see youth ministry five times bigger? Children's ministry, Eagles Nest, Eagles Land, five times bigger. Can, can you see ministering to people who are recovering from addiction five times bigger? Can you see yourself feeding people a five times bigger scale than you are right now? Truth be told, it was a stretch to get me where I am. Come on now. Well, he ready to stretch you some more. Before you stuff something big, you got to stretch it to make room for it. So God, over, over the next, no, this week is going to stretch us. So he can put the big, the big dream, the big mission, the big vision, the big thing that's coming, he can fit it into somebody. I understand it's not for everybody because some people will refuse to be stretched. Some people will refuse. That's, God, I, I, get off, I get off right here. Here's, I, get, I get off the train right here. This is it. As far as I'm going. I'll stay right there where I am doing this little bit. Uh, you know, I was listening to this lady. I was telling you all about this lady on Sunday uh, in, in uh, Nashville, the Cupcake Collection. Remember her name? M Mignon Francois. And she started this business with $5. And now that business is worth $10 million. She started making cupcakes, right? Just making cupcakes. She was trying, trying to survive. Right in Nashville, she she and her husband they had already lost both of their cars, and they were about to lose their home. Their home was about to be auctioned off, and uh, she was listening to uh, Dave Ramsey on the radio or television, whatever it was. He said, "Just hey, bake, bake, have a bake sale." She's thinking, "Well, if that helps helps me get some money in my pocket, I'll do it." I know y'all know the story. I just got to retell it. And she said, "Okay, well, she." Long story short, she started baking and baking cupcakes. It became a hit. She said, I can do that every day. And she started baking cupcakes every day. And now she has a $10 million company. Now, I know $10 million doesn't impress y'all. But she has a $10 million company from baking cupcakes. That's all she does is bake cupcakes. Period. Not cupcakes and hot dogs and lemonade. It's cupcakes. Period. And I gave her this quote by George Washington Carver, which is start where you are with what you have, do something with it, and never be satisfied. Remember that? Start where you are with what you have, do something with it, and never be satisfied. GWC, right? Now, something she said, Chris, when I heard on this interview that just stuck with me. She said, and I don't think I shared this with you. If, if I did, it, it's, it bears repeating. She said that most people are not afraid of failure, they're afraid of success. How many of y'all have heard that? I've heard it, I've said it. But when she explained it, the light bulb came on. She said, the problem, y'all listening? The problem with success is you keep having to do it. She said, the problem with success is that you have to go to work even when you don't feel like it. 
The problem with success is even when you're tired or even if you don't feel good, you still got to go. The problem with success is people want your product, people want your service, and you got to keep going even when you just, I want to take a break. No, success requires you not to do something. And the problem with most people is while they will unhitch is they're already doing a little bit for God, but no, God, that's enough. And God said, no, 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 baby. I want to increase your ministry. I want to increase your business. I want to increase your success. I want to increase you more and more, but you cannot be afraid of having success in ministry, having success in your life, because it's going to require more, but the more he requires, the more grace is going to come on your life to get the job done. So you don't have to be afraid of success. The Bible even says it. He gives more grace. Grace upon grace. Second Peter 3.18, grow in grace. The knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we can grow in grace. So don't be afraid of God challenging you more. Don't be afraid of God stretching you. Write them songs, girl. Record those songs. Well, I don't have a studio. Start where you are with what you have. Do something with it and never be satisfied. You got an iPhone, you got a phone, start singing into that phone. Start where you are with what you have. Do something with it. Never be satisfied. What if I become a hit? And I got to travel. Then grace is going to come on you to travel. If that's God's will. But he has to find somebody who's not going to, no, don't stretch me, Lord, that's enough. I'm already working 40 hours a week at this, God. When he stretches you, do you know? He, oh, thank you, Lord. In Genesis 1, 28, when he blessed Adam and Eve, the Bible says he, he blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So do you know if you become fruitful, he'll let help you multiply, which means that you still only work 40 hours a week, but now you'll be you 40 and somebody else 40 and somebody else 40 and somebody else 40 getting the job done. He'll grace you to multiply. But he's got to get somebody who will let him spread your wings and fly. Oh, man. Did y'all go to Ephesians 3.20? Let me wrap up here. Ephesians 3.20. We'll wrap up there. I guess. I hope so. See, see, God has to locate you. And I don't mean locate you like he don't know where you are, Adam, where are you? Like, you know, you know it's, I'm talking about locate your faith. Locate where you can meet him. Because he's, he's never going to blow your mind. So when people sing these gospel songs, God's about to blow your mind. Turn it off. God's never going to blow your mind. That's not the kind of God he is. If there's something blow your mind, you didn't increase enough or it's not God. You know, the devil can show you visions too. And have you working all your tail off pursuing something that God didn't show you. God will never blow your mind. Okay? So God has to locate us, has to find where we are. Okay? So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, okay, I want you to, you know, uh, for example, give that person $10. Oh, yeah, okay, I can do that. Okay, gotcha, he got you. Then you'll go to the next store in the next week, and somebody needs $50, they say, get a person $50. And you say, <coughs> okay, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> all right. Then all of a sudden, somebody goes there, 
and their bank card doesn't go through, and they got $345 worth of groceries on the, on the thing, and God says, you pay it. And you go, get me behind me, Satan. Get me behind me, Satan. He just located you. Get under my feet. The devil, you a liar. Jesus is the Messiah. Now, what God does is he'll come back down to that 50. Because he knows that's where you are. And he's not mad at you. He knows that's where you are, okay? So now I got to work with you on, at the 50 level. Yeah, 50 to you can't 50 no more. Right? And that's what he'll do. Okay? So you've, you've, done, you've done a lot. You all, and I look around this room, you all have done a lot. Some of us are already uh, overachievers by what people might have thought about us. Right? I mean, I had a guy tell me that my ministry wasn't going to make it. <laughs> wow, okay, thanks for the encouragement. But we're still here. It's almost 22 years later. We're still here. Well, you're not mega. No, not yet. Not yet. In God's time. We know, we know there are things we could have done. There are all kind of natural church growth things you can do to grow a church. We, we know, we, know we, we could have had no standard for the musician. No standard for the choir. When I say no standard, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about singing. I'm talking about lifestyle. We can never say anything about certain issues and certain topics. We can never bring correction. We do all that kind of stuff. We, if you go through our church role, we probably have 10, 15,000 people on our role or in our database. They come through. They keep on going, whatever the case is. That's no problem. They're not mine. They're not mine. I don't, I'm not trying to hold on to anybody. You understand? They're, they're the Lord's sheep. Have a big concert. <laughs> you know, there's all kind of stuff. But God knows how. So he knows for me what he's had, what he's had to stretch me. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be honest with you. See, we're, we're talking about, oh, Lord, you know, we're believing you for, you know, have all the land around us. Because he's shown us that. Have all his land around us. And buildings debt-free. You know, we confess that every Sunday, every Wednesday, buildings debt-free. And, and it comes time and we got to put a roof on the church. Well, if my mind is stuck in, see if I can find Joe, uh, Joe Smitty, who will bring his guys and sneak in on a weekend and throw a roof up there real quick with no permits, uninsured, no workman's comp. They're going to use shabby materials. You're going to get what you pay for. If that's my mind, I'm not ready for land and buildings debt free. So what God has had to do for me, I'm just telling you honestly for me, is to work on no, just pay, pay, pay a licensed contractor to do this work. See? So now that he's located that, now he knows, okay, we can stretch now. Oh, man. Y'all don't like that. I'm telling y'all, some of y'all still taking your car to the guy under the shade tree on the back office. <laughs> Down the alley with a pit bull and the, and the, and the slit small liquor bull sitting on top of your, uh, your hood. <laughs> Your holy car. He got a joint and a slice of liquor bull sitting on. Hey, what you think there? Hub caps everywhere. All right, Ephesians three twenty. Let's then we'll go home. I'm just saying, God. See, when, when we had our pantry going here at the church. What we did was 
let's buy food from the store. We weren't getting old bread and old hot dogs because I'm not going to eat it. So I'm gonna, we're going to buy. We're going to buy good stuff. Even now, we, we, get, we get things right now from an organization, and we, when we get it, okay, if it's not, if it's old, no, no, uh get rid of that. Well, we pay for that. I don't care. Throw it away. See, God has to challenge us like that so we can see ourselves then building that residential center where people come in and they're in transition in life and they can come in with granite countertops and they can come in with, with wood flooring and they can come in in nice place and it's beautiful a place you live yourself. Not some old shanty town looking thing you're going to throw them in talking about we trying to bless them. No. You see, so God has to build us up to that. All right, let's, let's, let's finish this one verse then. We'll, I'll let you go on. Ephesians 3.20 in the Passion Translation. Watch what it says here. Watch these, 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 uh, I guess they're adjectives. Here. Never doubt God's mighty power. His what power? To work in you and accomplish all this. What you read in Ephesians uh, 3 above that about you knowing the love of Jesus Christ, the fullness of breath, height, length, and so forth. He says, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request and your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will, ain't that some good, that's some good stuff. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. You are constantly being energized by his miraculous power. Go back to the beginning of that verse here. Go back. Because I want you to see these adjectives again. I want y'all to see them and look at them. Never doubt God's what? Mighty power. To work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve what? Then your what? And your most unbelievable dream. Keep going. And he will outdo them all. So as big as you can think, he's saying, that's wonderful. But I want to show you something. He said in, in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of, which you do not know. Now, when God shows us great and mighty things, they're not the greatest things, it's just the great we can handle. It's the great we can handle at the time. But the more we can handle, the more he'll show. Jesus, he's our example, and I'll, I'll get to him on Sunday. I'm going to preach on Jesus, honey. When Satan took Jesus Christ up on the high mountain, he showed him all the kingdoms and all of the world and all of their glory in one instant, in one moment. You know why? Jesus could handle all that. He didn't move Jesus. Jesus was like, wow, okay. See, and he's our example. So by the time God's done working on us, we'll be able to see this whole planet and understand God's master plan in the earth and how you and I are a vital or critical part of God's plan in the earth. We're going to do some big things for God. Some big things for the kingdom of God. Do you all agree with that? Do you believe you receive that? Are you expecting great things to come from the kingdom of God? Why don't you give God a hand of praise tonight? Hallelujah. Somebody shout, I'm expecting great things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you keep coming. You come Sunday. I, I, I promise you, the Lord's willing, uh, I'll get into this because I want to teach on what is man. Because this is critical to us understanding the bigness, if you allow that, the bigness of God. What is man? 
because I'm going to show you that just come on son. Amen. Glory to God. Everybody's doing well? Everybody feeling good? Okay. Just lay hands on your neighbor next to you. Just lay hands on them. Just find somebody. There you go. The Bible made us a promise that we shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. So there may be things that they don't, your neighbor doesn't know about yet. They don't, they don't know what's going on in them. Just a little thing, a little tickle in the throat. And the devil will try to get all kind of, I'm telling you how the devil works. He's a shyster. And he tries to infuse people with fear over the, little, the smallest little thing. And he'll get people start to start speaking out of their own mouths something that's not actually there. So, fathers, we lay hands on our neighbors tonight. We release the healing anointing that you've given every one of us. You said these signs shall follow them that believe. And we are believers tonight. And as we lay our hands on our neighbors, Father, we release that same healing anointing that Jesus Christ himself used, that same healing anointing that Jesus Christ himself walked in. And we thank you that God that our neighbor, our brother, our sister right now receives total, complete healing. Oh, there's, I feel virtue flowing right now. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Somebody's getting a virtue dose right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, my goodness, right now, virtue is flowing right now in this room. Oh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that your people are healed from the crowns of their heads to the soles of their feet, things they know of, things they don't know of, even as I stretch forth my hands to those who are watching at home right now, as they stretch forth, those at home stretch your hands right now, even to this to me, and I release right now that same healing anointing that I feel running right through this place right now. That same healing anointing, I release it, and I command you man, I command you woman, I command you child at home, be healed now in the name of Jesus from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, be healed I command you be healed and you shall testify that the moment that word was released you were healed and you felt in your body that you were healed in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we thank you Lord for victory over sickness victory over death Victory over sin. Thank you, Father, that we have divine life. You said, Father, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. We are not carnally minded, which brings death. We are spiritually minded, and it brings life and peace. And the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us, and he also quickens our mortal bodies even right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we join our faith with other men and women of God all around this world. We curse this virus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, retreat to the pit of hell where you belong. And we command the church of the living God to come out, rise up, open. Step into your rightful place in power, authority, in dominion in this earth. Thank you, Lord, that we'll walk in. And now, Father, I speak as we leave this place blessings and favor and goodness upon these, your people, that your people will walk out in blessings every day. That God, even in the night watches, you'll speak to us. Give us dreams. Give us visions in the night watches. Reveal to us a little more of what you want us to know, what you want us to see, or a little more of what we can handle right now, God. And we thank you that, God, even if it stretches us, we're, we're okay with you stretching us. You're enlarging us on the inside so you can manifest the largeness of your kingdom on the outside of us. Oh, God, have your way in our lives. We pray, Father, that when we come together this weekend, 
that will be in full force. Everyone who's battled any kind of sickness or any kind of pain or any kind of weakness in their bodies, God, they'll be totally healed and recovered, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that they'll be in the house praising you, glorifying you, magnifying your name together in this place. We thank you that people will come in, the sick will be healed, the bound will be loose, the poor will be made rich, the sinners will be saved in this place. Throughout this week, Father, lead us to people who need to know Jesus, those who are hungry, those who are ready, and we shall speak the word of the living God to them. Operate through us in signs, wonders, miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Have your way in us. We will continue to give you praise and glory and honor. For these and all blessings we do pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. amen. And amen. Give God one more hand of praise tonight. <laughs>